So um, I want you to do something for me. I want you to sit back down. I want you to kind of go back into just a sort of peaceful place of meditation, if you can. So what I want you to do is put your hand over your heart and think about your heart. Take a few deep breaths. And this is what's called rhythmic breathing, or they sometimes call it square breathing, different stuff. But just breathe into a count of four slowly and exhale to a count of four. Try to keep your exhale the same length of time as your inhale, whatever's comfortable for you. If that's eight and eight or four and four or two and two, it doesn't matter. You're not getting a very deep breath if you're only doing two, though. (laughs) And I want you to let go of any stress, tension you might be feeling in your body. And then I want you to think of something peaceful. So anything could be anything peaceful. Um, for me, it's always the ocean and the beach and hearing the water, but it'd be someplace in nature, could be someplace, could be your bedroom, wherever it is that you feel peaceful. I want you to imagine yourself in that place now until you get into a place of peace as much as you're able to. And then I want you to think of something that causes you to feel some sense of compassion. So that you, compassion, compassion, love. So that you're kind of abiding in a place of peace and love. Don't make it anything too emotionally heavy. Kind of keep people out of it. Like, I love, if you love candy bars or you love a certain song, just want to keep it on that level. Sometimes if you love a person, it's complicated. (laughs) So just make sure you have that feeling of peace, feeling of compassion. All right, now this is a different way to pray. (laughs) This is a more energetic way to pray. There's nothing special about words. All words do is give voice to vibrations. And then there was a uh, church in town that has had a tragedy, um, the Lord's Vineyard. That's all I'm going to say. So I don't know how much is out there for public consumption yet. But they need our love and they need peace. And so what I want you to do is just, even if you don't know them, I want you to just start directing it with just with your intention. I want you to start directing peace and love and compassion towards all the people affected by the tragedy at the Lord's Vineyard. And just hold them up to the Lord in that place for just a few moments. And then I want you to release them and release that energy into the hands of God. So just let it go now. Just let it go and give it to God. And let it go till you feel the release. You'll feel a release inside you where you're able to just let go. Take a couple deep breaths. Open your eyes, come back in the room. Stand up a little bit. A little bit, you know, like halfway. (laughs) I remember in the Methodist church we used to do hallu, 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 hallelujah. Praise ye the Lord. Anybody remember that? (laughs) Seriously, stand up. We need to shift the energy just a little bit for me. Like, 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 roll your head around, kind of shake your arms a little bit, get your blood going, get your circulation going. Turn around a few times, change your perspective, say hi to the person behind you, whatever you need to do. And when you're ready, sit back down and we're going to start in uh, Deuteronomy chapter 1. So just for people that are freaking out about the name change and whatever, some of the stuff that I announced, if you have questions, 
Of course, if you were freaking out, you probably wouldn't be here. <laughs> but if you have questions, please come talk to me. Uh, please don't think things are going to change too drastically. Some of it is semantics. Uh, the reason we didn't have worship today is, <laughs> I thought, great. We, we Not only did we not have worship today, but we've covered up all the instruments like they're dead. <laughs> if, you, if you look really close, there's a chalk outline uh, where they're at. Um, no, the truth is that our musicians just were out of town. Various different things took them all out of town uh, this week, so we weren't able to do it simply for that reason. So I don't want you freaking out too much about change. Uh, <laughs> so people are like, are we still going to meet on Sunday mornings, all that stuff? Yes. Um, we're still going to do what we do, just with a little bit more freedom uh, and empowerment to it. So is that cool? All right. So Deuteronomy. If you have questions, though, please come talk to me. Um, don't be scared. Deuteronomy chapter 1 verse 19 says so we departed from Horeb and went through all the great and terrible wilderness which you saw on the way to the mountains of the Amorites as the Lord our God commanded us then we came to Kadesh Barnea and I said to you you have come to the mountains of the Amorites which the Lord your God is giving us Now watch the language here. Look, the Lord your God has set the land before you. Go up and possess it as the Lord God of your fathers has spoken to you. Do not fear or be discouraged. And every one of you came near to me and said, let us send men before us and let them search out the land for us and bring back word to us by way uh, of the way by which we should go up and of the cities into which we shall come. The plan pleased me well, so I took twelve of your men, one man from each tribe, and they departed and went up into the mountains and came to the valley of Eskol and spied it out. And they also took some of the fruit of the land in their hands and brought it down to us. And they brought back word to us, saying, It is a good land which the Lord your God is giving us. Nevertheless, you would not go up, and you rebelled against the command of the Lord your God. And you complained in your tents and said, Because the Lord hates us, He has brought us out of the land of Egypt to deliver us to the hand of the Amorites to destroy us. Where can we go up? Our brethren have discouraged our hearts, saying the people are greater and taller than we. The cities are great and fortified up to heaven. Moreover, we have seen the sons of Anakim there. And then I said to you, do not be terrified or afraid of them. The Lord your God who goes before you, he will fight for you. Watch this. The Lord your God who goes before you, he will fight for you according to all he did. For you in Egypt before your eyes and in the wilderness where you saw how the Lord your God carried you as a man carries his son in all the way that you went up to this place. Yet for all that you did not believe the Lord your God who went in the way before you to search out a place for you to pitch your tents and to show you the way you should go in the fire by night and in the cloud by day. And the Lord heard the sound of your words. And was angry and took an oath, and surely not one of these men of this evil generation shall see the good land which I swore to their fathers, except Caleb, the son of this other guy. (laughs) He shall see it, and to him, his children, I am giving the land on which he walked, because he wholly followed me. Now come with me to uh, Numbers. So back a few pages to Numbers 14. Numbers 14, verse 20, same incident. It says, Then the Lord said, I, I have pardoned according to your iniquity, but truly as I live, the whole earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. Because all these men who have seen my glory and signs which I did in Egypt in the wilderness and have put me to the test these ten times and have not heeded my voice, they certainly shall not see the land which I swore to their fathers, nor shall any of those who rejected me. But my servant Caleb, watch this, because he has a different spirit in him and has followed me fully, I will bring into the land where we went, where he went and his descendants shall inherit it. Now, I want to point out something Jesus said in Matthew 12. Matthew 12, (laughs) Matthew chapter 12, verse 33. It 
says, either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad. A tree is known by its fruit. Notice he says, make it good or make it bad. It's not inherently good or bad. It's what you make it. Brood of vipers, how can you being evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart will bring forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart will bring forth evil things. So I want you to notice again, the tree itself is not inherently by nature good or bad. Jesus says, make the tree good and its fruit will be good, or make the tree bad and its fruit will be bad. When you're looking at the stories, and I've said this before, of the children of Israel, because here's what I want you to see. I want to talk about energy. I want to talk about consciousness. But I want to show you that throughout the Bible, people draw into their experience whatever they believe, feel, think, and meditate upon. Or as Jesus said it, out of the good treasure of your heart, you bring forth good things. Out of the evil treasure of your heart, you bring forth evil things. And it's up to you to make the tree good or to make the tree bad. This is such a game changer. Because most people have been taught to believe in a God that is other than them. A God that is outside of them. And they have been taught to surrender their power, surrender even their will to that God. Now, I just want to say, I think surrendering your will is stupid. (laughs) And I don't think it's biblical. Because how can you choose life? How can you choose God? How How can you choose anything if you surrender your will? Your will, your choice, your ability to make choice gives you power. Now I know right away some religious demon. (laughs) Some religious demon is going to bring up right away. Yeah, but Jesus said, not my will, but yours be done. Yes, he did. Thank you for bringing that up as though I've never read it. As though I've never heard it at Easter. And here's our problem. We take stuff in the Bible that happens to other people and apply it to ourselves. And so, when was the last time you were saving the world? Yesterday. Uh, um, yesterday. Okay. Well, you might be the exception in the room, man. But for most of us, I mean, the dilemma, the one time Jesus was like, you know, Father, if this cup could pass from me, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. First of all, he's facing death by crucifixion. And second of all, he's saving the world. So, that might be a little bit of an exception to the rule, is all I'm saying. (laughs) That maybe it's not the best logic, maybe it's not the smartest thing to do, maybe it's not spirit-led, maybe it's just stupid to take that event and apply it back to yourself. Because maybe you just aren't that important. maybe that's just something that applied to that situation, and maybe God doesn't want you giving up your willpower. Because over and over again throughout the Scripture, even when we're talking about prayer, Jesus says, I'll give you an example, same book, same book, shortly after Jesus says, not my will but yours be done, He says, I'm the vine, you're the branches, if anyone abides in me, he will ask... For the Father's will, and it will be done for him. No, that's not what it says. He will ask for God's will. Not not my will, but thy will be done. No, that's not what it says either. It says he will ask what he wills, and it will be done for him. In Mark, around the same time, ironically, just a few days before the garden incident, Jesus curses a fig tree, and then he tells the disciples, what things soever... You desire when you pray, believe you have received them and you shall have them. He doesn't say whatsoever things you think the Father desires. Because <laughs> here's the religious conundrum. Well, brother, well, sister, I don't want my will. I just want the Lord's will. Okay, what is the Lord's will? I have no idea. Well, brother, can you help me find it? Well, I just know He wants me to be blessed. Well, what exactly does that blessing look like? I don't know, but I think I'll know it when it shows up. He just wants me to have favor. Or how about this? You see these stupid memes? I'm sorry, I'm going off a little bit, but... 
You see these stupid memes on Facebook, you know, or, or some of your posts. God, like, like, what is this God that we serve? It's so funny. God does not want you happy. God does not care about your happiness. God cares about you doing His will. Anybody ever heard or seen anything like that? It, it, come on, if you haven't, you haven't been to enough marriage seminars. <laughs> you, you haven't been to enough marriage seminars where they tell you marriage isn't about being happy and love ain't a feeling. Because we know the whole world, not the whole world, but, but, but a lot of us, with few exceptions, a lot of people in, in their relationships are just grinning and bearing it. <laughs> they are white-knuckling it. I made a decision, I made a promise, I'm going to hang on, right? Come on, guys. You, you know what's true. So God does not want you happy. God just wants you doing... <laughs> And so we buy into that. We feed that. We eat that. And guess what we do? We start storing that up like treasure in our heart. We say, oh, that's good. That's, that's the word of God, right? And then we have this concept. We have this concept that if we do all the right things, like, like, like we spend our whole life as small children trying to please the giant parents in the sky without realizing that the image that most people have of God is just a glorified ego. It's just them on a bigger scale. They love their kids, so guess what? God loves His kids, but He does it on a bigger scale. Oh, God's love is past finding out. Nobody knows what that means. Nobody knows what that means. Oh, God's love is so deep and, and it is so powerful and it's so unconditional. And then you start to, God's love is unconditional. At least there are Christians now that they've, that there's a blowback from this now. Thank God. Because people say, God's love is unconditional. That's how twisted the mind gets. God's love is unconditional unless. Well, God's love is unconditional. Yeah, but He's sending the vast majority of people to burn in flames. Yes, but. God's love is unconditional except for the homosexual community. God's love is unconditional except for those damn Muslims in the Middle East. Right? So at least, at least, at the very least, there are people now who are admitting that God's love is conditional. <laughs> I mean, yeah, John Piper and some of these guys are out there saying, no, God's... Well, in fact, in fact, Charisma Magazine, just a month ago printed, you, it, b- beloved, do you know what... Okay, a preacher, a preacher, spirit-filled tongue talker, you know what he said are the biggest evils in the earth today? The two biggest demonic floods that are hitting the church and destroying everything today, you know what they are? The two worst forces on the planet, you know what they are? Absolutely what he said, I'm not even exaggerating. Hyper grace and hyper love. This guy literally thinks... The biggest problem today <laughs> is we have too much grace and too much love going around. And these forces are coming from demons. Now, how in the world, when the Bible says, the same Bible that he reads and preaches from, when it says in First John, whoever loves is of God and whoever does not love has not known God. I mean, that's pretty simple. So how can you say the pit of hell is opened up with all this love? Demons are just spewing out grace to everybody. But at least they're admitting what they really believe. Because their problem is, if you give people too much grace, you can't control them anymore. And I found, and this, this is part of, I'm, I'm just being me today. This is part of the sexual repression in the church. Because they don't care. They really don't care who you're gossiping about. They really don't. They really don't care when it comes to hypergrace. They don't care if you've got a drug or alcohol problem. In fact, the answer to your drug or alcohol problem is to learn to accept yourself. And you learn to accept yourself with grace, whatever, or it's admit it and quit it or repent or whatever, right? They really care who you're sleeping with. That's really the issue. Alright, I'll let it go. Because you know why he wrote the article? He wrote the article in response to a preacher who had fallen into sexual sin. Now, I'm not justifying the sexual sin, but I'm saying if it had been any other kind of sin, you never would have been an article about it. 
So what's driving it is not the Spirit of God. What's driving it is their own sexual repression, and they're mad that they're repressing it and other people aren't. That's just the bottom line. They're mad that they're controlling it and going going through all this stuff and torment and other people aren't. And so when other people get away with it and they don't, they're mad and it comes out. And so, oh, there's this whole horrible thing. It's it's hyper love and hyper grace. It's terrible. Because you need to be giving up your power. You need to be surrendering your will. You need to be surrendering your choice. And if you do that, you give up your power and you surrender your choice because we just have this parent in the sky who is a projection of our own ego. Anybody who thinks that God is upset because there is too much grace and too much love is projected their own ego and bowed down and worshipped it and doesn't even know it. I mean, that is objectively true, guys. Go read First John. Whoever loves his brother has seen God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God. And this guy's so confused. And the body of Christ is so confused. And the people reading Charisma Magazine and putting likes and comments and amen and this is the truth. They are so confused that they don't know that... What do you think, Jim? <laughs> I don't want to say it because I'm trying to be nice, but they don't know their head from there. I couldn't believe it. And I commented, this is the most asinine thing. I posted on Facebook, I said, this is the most asinine thing I've heard in 30 years as a Christian. That the gates of hell have opened up too much love in the earth. The gates of hell have opened up too much grace. Right? Yeah. They totally disagreed with me. I'm like, how can we be so lost and confused? But see, the problem is, you're told not to think, you're told not to question, you're told not to have free will, you're told not to be happy, you're, you, 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 you just, they just want to put you in a system of oppression and control and, and push you down and lift themselves up. I was talking to somebody last week and, or yesterday and, and they were talking about their Christian experience. And, and this is true of a lot of people. They come into a spiritual experience. They, they come awake into really, frankly, a metaphysical experience. The word meta, metaphysics means that which is beyond physical reality. So they meet Jesus. They have an experience in the Holy Spirit. They meet Jesus. They, that whatever happens to them, it's metaphysical and their life changes, right? They pray a prayer and now their life changes. They feel different. They feel like they have purpose. They feel loved. They feel forgiven. Whatever the case may be. And then they start coming to church and all we do, we don't boost them up. We don't empower them. We don't push them forward. We don't teach them how to push beyond their boundaries. What we do is we keep pressing them down. We keep telling them how everything they want is wrong. We keep telling them how they've got to serve the system. If you're not here every time the doors are open, then somehow God's upset. Like like God really, like, like the creator of the universe. I don't know, he's off in the corner of the universe somewhere with a supernova, but come Sunday morning, damn it, he's upset and he's looking down. Okay, let's count. Oh, where was Jim? That's all. Jim was out fishing. Oh, boy. Make sure your bottom's in the chair and and George Washington comes to church. I wish Benjamin Franklin would show up a little more often. It'd be nice to see Ben every once in a while. Every once in a while, Andrew Jackson gets in there. I know George and Abe like to show up a lot. Right? And so it's shame, guilt, control, uh, and, and disempowerment. 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 Surrender your will to God. Surrender your mind to God. Surrender your emotions to God. And, and, and again, I want to bring you back to this point, because God is a parent in the sky. That really, the parent, the parent, the, the mommy or the daddy in the sky. No, not a mommy, because he, he, no. No, 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 we don't have any divine feminine. No, 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 that's that goddess worship stuff. So God is a... Old man in the sky who is simply a projection of human ego when you really think about it. He loves his kids. He loves who he loves. For some people, that's too much love. How would you like to grow up in that household? Oh, I'm, I'm loving you, son, but oh, it's the gates of hell. Oh, i got to resist that temptation of Satan. Satan, let go of my heart. I'm loving my kid too much. 
Because, see, they'll curse your kid for having a problem, but you wait till their kid has a problem. They'll, they'll tell you and your family you can't get divorced because if you get divorced and remarried, you're committing adultery. And, and it doesn't matter if you're in an abusive marriage. you got to submit and call him Lord like Sarah called Abraham Lord and, and cherry-pick scriptures and, and hold that person in bondage. But let it be their daughter that just got smacked around. Let it be their daughter. Let it be their kid. Okay, well, you want to write articles like that and you want to affirm articles like that, then when it's your kid and you're feeling love and compassion towards them, make sure you start praying for Satan to let go of your heart. (laughs) I mean, we don't think. And that's the problem. Right? And God hates His enemies. We know that because He's going to throw them in the eternal oven. Like he's Hansel and Gretel for eternity. Like 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 who was it that put Hansel and Gretel in the oven? Didn't they go in an oven? Help help me with the fairy tale. Who who did it? The witch. Yeah. So he's like the witch. All of a sudden he's the witch. Nobody ever chose to go to hell, brother. They chose to send themselves to hell. Really? Yes. It was their free will in rejecting Jesus and God and belief in God that caused them to go to hell. Really? Wow. I'm glad you believe that. Because if you believe that, then the moment they see hell, they should be able to make a choice. The moment they're experiencing it, they should be able to choose. Oh, right, it's too late. Oh, wait, oh, so this God loves us so much and gives us such free choice that we don't even really know if it exists. We don't really know if it's out there. But, bless God, We have to make a choice anyway based on what other people told us. Not based on our own experience. Why? Because you have to surrender your power to be saved. And it's too empowering. (laughs) I mean, really, if God is that interested, if God's not sending you to hell and He's that interested in your free choice, why don't we all just get to the end of this thing and He says, okay, here's bliss and glory and, and eternal joy and no more crying and no more tears and the old order has passed away and over here is, in door number two, is eternal torment and torture and flames forever with no hope of ever escaping. And why am I going there? Because you didn't like me. You didn't love me. You didn't believe in me. But at least, then he could say, but here's the good news. You could choose this over here, door number A, because I love you and I died for you. Or door number B, you can reject that. That's a fair choice. So people say stupid stuff, like, cause they can't, cause they know that it's, that it, they, they know, they can't reconcile, it makes no sense. It makes no sense. It's not justice. Hindus have more justice. Karma is more just than, than the God that some people believe in. At least in karma, if you have temporal sins, you, in this life, you're making up for it in the next life. If you murder somebody in this life, you'll learn not to murder in the next life. But not for Christians. Oh, no, 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 no. And you can do whatever you want. You can murder, you can rape, you can pillage, you can do whatever you want, but as long as you prayed the prayer before you die. Look at the thief on the cross. Look at the thief on the cross. The thief on the cross, he found Christ at the end. Didn't matter what he did. Didn't matter who he killed. Didn't matter who he hurt. He believed in Jesus at the end. So now he gets to go into the gates of glory. Somebody else over here that's doing their best, doing good for people, trying, dealing with life. They get to the end of the road. Well, I didn't believe in Jesus because every Christian I knew was mean as a snake. They were all hypocrites. Well, you should have taken their word for it because guess what's waiting for you? (laughs) Behind door number two. And we know it was only a brief 70 years that you lived, but guess what? Come on down. The price is right. Yes, what do we have for you? Eternal torment. Eternal conscious torment with no hope of ever getting out. Yes, but I thought Jesus died for me. Yeah, he did, but you know. Too bad for you. You didn't believe. We really think that's the creator of the universe? Or is that a projection of our own ego? Because that's how we want to treat our enemies. That's how we want to treat the people that don't think like us and feel like us and believe like us. Yeah, your God is loving until your God starts loving people you don't love. Now we have a problem. 
No, we know God is like this. We know that we know God hates this. How do we know? I just feel I feel the fire in my bones, brother. I have the witness of the spirit. The Bible says. Right? Sad thing is the Bible doesn't even say that. You're just too ignorant to know it. I mean, there are people that know they don't know, but ignorance is, I don't know that I don't know. And I think I know. I think I know, but I don't know. That's the worst kind of ignorance. Are you breathing? And of course your ego likes what? Constant affirmation and praise. Constant affirmation and praise. So, of course, your God in the sky needs somebody around the throne 24 hours, 7 days a week saying, Holy, holy, holy. <laughs> Aren't you almighty? <laughs> Who was and is and is to come, right? It's a projection of the ego. And the sad thing is, gang, you, you can find a lot of that stuff in the Bible. You can't find much of it in the teachings of Jesus. We say we believe in Jesus, and we say he was God incarnate, but you really can't find much of that in the teachings of Jesus. On the, on the other hand, Jesus was teaching a life of self-empowerment. You make the tree good, and its fruit good, or you make the tree bad, and its fruit bad. Oh, no, 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 I'm, 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 my, my, my righteous deeds are like filthy rags. I can't fix, I need the grace of God, I can't fix myself. I need the power, I need, I just need to admit I can't do it myself and have the power of the Holy Spirit come through me. Completely, completely ignores what Jesus is saying there. Jesus is saying, look, use your willpower to make of your life what you want to make of it. If you make it good and you store up good things in your consciousness, then, then you're gonna bring forth good things. You're, you're, the expression of who you are in the context of your experiences is going to be good. Or if you want to, you can do bad things and you can make yourself bad. And the expression of your life will be, in certain contexts, bad fruit. But you sit in the position of power because you sit in the position of choice. And so if there's one thing that my message is right now, it's that you need to take back your power from everything that is taken away from you. You have this life. You are responsible for the expression of yourself in this life. You're responsible for how you present yourself in this life. And you cannot blame the devil and you cannot blame God for whatever choices you make. That's the deception of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Adam at least said, God, you're the problem because you gave me this woman. God, bl- God, Adam didn't blame the, the, the serpent. And there is no devil in the story. You have to put him there in the serpent. It's not in the story. Well, the devil deceived Eve. Where? Where does it say that? Oh, but in the Revel- in Revelation, now watch how we do this. Well, in the book of Revelation, it says the accuser of the brethren is that old serpent, the devil. Problem is, dragons were flying serpents. They were ancient, believed to be ancient, flying serpents. So when the guy in Revelation is describing that old serpent, he's talking about the dragon, the same dragon he's talking about in Revelation 12. Be like if I said that bald dude. I, I saw standing on the stage a man with jeans and a plaid shirt on. And his, and he was doing this. And his name was Nick Polera. And somebody grabbed that old bald dude. <laughs> you know I love you. <laughs> but it says that old serpent, you know. So, Do you get it? You have to insert the Garden of Eden reference. There's no devil in the story. 
If you believe the word of God, then you have to believe that it was the serpent who was the wisest of all the creatures that God had made that was talking to Adam and Eve and deceiving them to eat at the wrong tree. Just be, if you believe the word of God, yes, brother, I believe it from revelation to, I believe it just like it's written. Well, then believe it just like it's written. Don't add stuff to it. If you believe it just like it's written, then you believe anyone who adds to the word of God or takes away from the word of God. Another verse in the book of Revelation is what? Cursed. So when you say it was a devil, guess what you did? Get ready for some curses, baby. Because that egotistical God in the sky, that's what he's going to do to you. Well, we believe it or we don't. I believe it just like it's written or I don't. So Adam blames God. Then we came along over 2,000 years later and invented a devil that we put in the serpent to blame the devil. But it doesn't matter whether you're blaming God or whether you're blaming the devil or whether you're blaming circumstances or the government or your family or your upbringing or whatever you're blaming. Whoever isn't doing right, living right, whatever is a scapegoat in your life that gives you the reason to shift power and responsibility away from yourself and to someone else, therein lies your problem. And so all I'm trying to do is say, wake up and realize who you are. Listen, if you want to believe the Bible, how about this? God said, let us make humanity in our image and after our likeness. A God that births something after its image, what is it going to be? Okay, let me help you out. Corn gives birth to... Sheep give birth to, humans give birth to, God gives birth to, gods. Which is why he said, let them have dominion. You cannot operate as a god, you cannot operate as a god if you have no choice. You cannot operate as a God if you have no power. You cannot operate as a God if you have no will. You cannot operate as a God if you have no desire. And so what we want to do is perpetuate the immaturity of humanity and keep them down and make them dependent on the projection of our own ego that doesn't even exist. And we say it's in the sky. And you have to you have to fully obey this parent in the sky. And if you do, he's going to be good to you and bless you just like mommy and daddy did at home. Give you rewards, and if you're bad, he's gonna beat you and curse you, and if, if you, if you're bad enough, he's gonna send you straight to hell. I've really taken away your Lord now, and you don't know where I've laid him. <laughs> Because part of what has to happen in order for us to come into the fullness of Christ, In order for us to come into the fullness of Christ, we have to take back our power from the things that we've surrendered it to. And for a lot of us, we've surrendered it to the figments of our imagination and our religious idolatries. We have subjected it to the work of men's hands, that which they have created and crafted out of their own hearts and have projected forward as an idol and said, this is the idol, bow down and worship it. And it's no different than what the children of Israel were doing to the, to what the spies were doing to the children of Israel. They're saying, this is what God is like. God hates us. That's why he brought us out in the wilderness to die. And, and they could not discourage the people if they did not reflect in the sky as God a projection of their own thinking and feeling. And it was when they elevated their own thoughts and their own beliefs and their own feelings to the status of the divine that they had the power from that image then to discourage the hearts of their brethren and make the hearts of the brethren melt. But Caleb was cut from a different cloth. Caleb broke with the group consensus. You could say it this way, he was a heretic. Because the definition of heretic means you break with orthodoxy. You break with the group consensus. And all orthodoxy is, is group consensus. So we have a group consensus that says this is how God is, right? We have a group consensus that, that tells us and causes our hearts to melt. 
and causes us to stay in a place of limitation or causes us to surrender our own power. But there have to, but, but there can come a voice of a Caleb. But the, the, the name Caleb corresponds to intu- intuition. That you, you have heard things in church and intuitively you've disagreed. You have read things in the Bible and intuitively you knew they were wrong. But you surrendered your own power to the group consensus. You didn't trust that, and you said, I must not be right, this must be right. And you surrendered your power. And the moment you did that, you bought into all the limitations of whatever the group is telling you. And that's exactly what happened in that story that we read about in Deuteronomy. But Caleb comes along as the heretic. Caleb comes along as of a different spirit, who did what? Who followed, honestly, can we be honest about it? He followed a different God. The way our Bible, our Bible tames it for us, he followed me more fully. But his God was totally different. His God was the God that liberated them from Egypt. His God was the God who led them through the trials in the wilderness. And his God was the God that was going to go before them and fight for them in the land. And his God was the God that was more than enough, that made them more than enough, that they were well able to take the land. So you got two trees. You got, you got one tree that's been made bad, believing in a bad God, bringing forth bad fruit, and discouraging the hearts of the brethren. And you have another tree, Caleb, who is a good tree, who, and he's bringing forth, he believes in a good God, and he's bringing forth good fruit, and he's trying to lift people up past the limitations of their own group consensus and their own group consciousness. And that voice, when it begins, is always in the minority. If it wasn't in the minority, there would be no group consciousness to challenge. And we love to give Joshua credit for being one of the 12 spies that came back with a good report, but you've got to read it carefully. You had 10 that came back with an evil report. Evil trees bringing forth evil fruit. You had one tree came back with a good report. And can I be honest with you, Joshua represents where most of us are. The place of indecision, exactly. He's the representative of us when we realize, I have to make a choice. The outcome that I get here will not depend on what God does. Because to those that believed in a God who hated them and brought them out in the wilderness to die, guess what happened to them? God swore in His wrath He would not bring them into the land and killed them in the wilderness. And the one guy, Caleb, who said, God is well able to give us this land, lived another 40 years and at 80 years old. He said, my strength is not abated. I'm just as strong as I was back then. And he didn't say, oh God, please cause the mountain to fall. Oh God, please surround them. Oh God, please let your angels come in. Oh God, please let, please, oh God, let the hand of God just come down. Oh God, let fire come, fall down from him. That's not what he said. He said, I'm just as strong at 80 as I was at 40. I'm well able to go into battle. Give me this mountain. He stood in his power. Powerful. While everybody else was giving it away, he stood in his power. And you and I, to a large degree, are like Joshua, where we have to make a choice. Either I will make my tree good and its fruit good or I will make my tree bad and its fruit bad. But I get to choose which way I go. I get to choose how I express myself in my life. I get to choose the person I am who shows up for every event of my life. And I refuse to surrender my power. I refuse to give it up to group consensus. I refuse to give it up to 
immature parental projections of godliness that don't exist anywhere except in consciousness. And I'm going to take my stand for myself. I'm going to believe in myself. I'm going to make my own rules in life. I'm going to make my own choices in life. I'm going to make, I'm, I'm going to operate from a place of emotional choice. I'm going to operate from a place of mental choice. And then I'm trusting God. Not the God I manufactured. The God whose life is in me causing my heart to beat. Causing my food to digest. Where does that come from? So when you begin to change the way you look at the universe, if you could step out of an ancient paradigm and understand that the Bible is presenting you with an ancient paradigm of who they thought God was. If you could step out of that and realize, you know, we understand today that everything exists and is held together in patterns of energy. If you plant corn and that corn comes forth, there is a pattern of energy that it stays coherent and established so that when it grows up, it doesn't become a tomato. (laughs) There is a pattern of energy that causes your heart to beat, that causes you to breathe at night, that causes you to dream when you sleep, that causes you to be able to think thoughts, that causes you to be able to have feelings. There's a pattern of energy that causes you to stay within a pattern of what it is to be a human being. There is a pattern of energy that keeps gravity and keeps the earth revolving around the sun. There are myriads upon myriads upon myriads upon myriads upon billions and trillions of these same patterns of energy that exist in creation. And then you have to ask yourself, what is the consciousness, what is the intelligence that is holding that pattern of energy together? What is the consciousness in the seed that causes the seed to become corn instead of tomato? What is it within me that causes my heart to keep beating, whether I choose for it to keep beating or not? What is it that keeps gravity keeping me on this planet? What is it that keeps the, that keeps rejuvenating? What is it that causes us to evolve? Evolution isn't a bad thing. Evolution is a good thing. Because that means that there is something that this pattern of intelligence, that, that, that I'm sorry, that this governing intelligence that is holding patterns of energy has the ability to adapt. Has the ability to change. Has the ability to overcome. If evolution shows you anything, it is that there is an inherent intelligence within life that has the ability to overcome its environment. That has the ability to overcome circumstances. That has the ability to survive. I'm getting into deep waters. Now listen to me. What if that force and that intelligence that is holding everything together in those patterns of energy, what if that is closer to what and who God is than this ego in the sky? And what if that's what Jesus was operating from, the place that Jesus was operating from? And what if that's what Paul was trying to convey in Colossians especially when he talked about all things were made by Christ and all things are held together by Christ. And maybe that's what John was saying when he was saying in the beginning was the word, the divine intelligence, and all things were made by him and without him nothing was made that has been made. And and he gives life and light to all things. And maybe that's the ground where we need to begin. And then we can understand that I... I am an extension of my Father. I am an extension of this eternal progenitor of my life. And maybe, if that's really true, then maybe I can trust my Caleb. (laughs) Maybe I can trust my own intuitions. Maybe I can trust my own feelings. Maybe I can trust my own perceptions when I own them as mine. And I can be planted like a tree by streams of living water that is bringing forth its fruit in season, whose leaves do not wither, and whatsoever I doeth prospers.
But it's not going to happen because you begged and squalled for God to change your life. It's going to happen because you stood up to your life and you said, I'm ready to own it. I'm ready to own where I'm at. And I'm ready to make some changes. And that those changes begin by going within and looking, what have I treasured? What have I valued? What have I stored up? What have I built up within my own consciousness? And if what I've built up within my own consciousness is holding me in captivity from my own expression of my own divineness, my own divine nature, then I need to destroy it. Because I can either destroy it or I can be destroyed by it. And because Caleb was unable to destroy the God consciousness that was holding Israel in captivity, they were destroyed by that consciousness and died in the wilderness. So Joshua's, like Elijah said, choose this day whom you shall serve. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your life and your energy that permeates all things. Thank you that, as Paul the Apostle said, in you we live and move and have our being. Listen to those words. We live and move and have, possess, have ownership of our own being. And Father, I pray that people will begin to reclaim back their power, that they'll begin to believe in themselves that they will stop looking for answers outside of themselves and will begin to have the confidence to mold and shape their own lives in the direction of their highest desires and for the highest good. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.